If, if you don't know me, we haven't had a chance to meet yet. My name's Scott Meyer, and it's an honor, it's a privilege. I consider it a blessing in my life that I get to do what I do, and that's uh, do the preaching here at this church. And I'm just uh, so grateful that you're here today. And you may not be aware of this, but you've been prayed for today. We may not have known your name specifically, but we prayed for God to bring onto this campus those that needed encouragement, those that needed a word of hope. And so perhaps you come thinking that you're sitting here maybe by random, uh, maybe just by chance, but I just want to encourage you, that's not the case. And, and we believe that God's at work and God is doing incredible things, even if you're not in a place where you believe that yet. And God's doing work on you. We are, uh, I'm coming off of a pretty good high right now because this past uh, Friday and Saturday with about 24, 26 men from this church uh, had a chance to experience the Hills, the Hills Men's Conference up in Fort Worth with the Hills Church up there. And that was an incredible time of worship, an incredible time of just being challenged to what it means uh, to be a man in today's world, a man of God, and stepping up into a place where we serve faithfully both our church, our community, our families, our spouses, and all the different aspects that God has called us to. So I, I want you to keep that just in your prayers as God continues to grow um, men here and grow the, that we step into that challenge. And that's going to be a lot of, as we go through uh, this series, we're in a, in a long extended look at the person of Jesus. And <clears throat> And we're looking and exploring what does it mean to see Jesus clearly. And so that's our sort of our motto for 2020 is we want to see Jesus clearly in 2020. And what I believe passionately is that Jesus is the most compelling figure that we could ever be discussing. And there are those that even though they don't um, claim Jesus, even though they don't proclaim to follow Jesus, they are still compelled by him because he's so compelling in who he is. And so to help us along the way, we are using the Gospel of Luke for this, and we have got some scripture journals. And these are journals that have the scripture, the, the writings of Luke on one side and a blank page on the other. And if you don't have one of these yet, I would love for you to have one. We have some out in our foyer. You can go grab one of those. And if you're a new here, you're a guest here, just consider that a gift from me to you. Um, from us to you, because we want you to have these. And we're going to be in these for a while. And so you are still at the beginning of the movie. Okay, you have not missed the best stuff yet. So jump on. Um, I love seeing these as I stand out and greet people in the morning. Uh, I see folks are carrying these in. Some of you showed me your notes um, from these. Some of you are very artistic. Uh, and you've got some, and you're, you're drawing things in there that help you and connect with you and encourage you. So just want you to follow along with this and be a part of this. And also, um, for many of our classes that meet in our second hour, they're going through uh, what we're talking about during the sermons. And so folks are taking their journals right from this room into there, and they're figuring out ways that they can apply it even more directly into their life. So I encourage you to be a part of that. Today, we're going to start in Luke chapter 5. It's page 38 inside the journal. If you don't have a journal and you want to turn on your phone and grab, it, grab your app that way, you can definitely follow, uh, follow along. We're going to be in 5, 1 through 11 today. 
And I'm just going to share some thoughts that come out of this, and then we'll uh, give you some takeaways that I believe will be important to us. This is, this is going to be a fishing story sermon. Okay, everybody's got a good fishing story, I hope. I'm not an incredible fisherman by any stretch of the imagination, though several people that I care about and that, that are close to me are great fishermen. Um, so my, my one story, and I'll go ahead and throw myself under the bus, and so you can know that, that if you come here and you think your life's not all together, you can say, well, at least I'm not a goofball like him. So you've got something that you can take away. Uh, Two people that, that I care great about. Um, one is Jim Neighbors, a good, good friend of ours. And then uh, my wife, Erica, they are good fishermen. Okay. They, they are great at this and they put a lot of passion into it. So I've shared before the opportunity we had to go deep sea fishing uh, with my brother-in-law one time. And so my experience on the boat, I was feeding the fish, if you know what I mean. Um, chumming the fish. You know, I was doing anything but actually reeling them and catching them. Well, Jim uh, snags what he believes his line is really low on, on the bottom. And there's out in the, the Gulf, there are oil structures and different things that you can snag your line on. And usually you just have to cut your line. And he thinks it's caught. And so the boat gets stopped and he's working hard to pull up, working hard to pull up, working hard to pull up. And finally, he calls for an expert, so he doesn't turn to me because I'm leaning over the side of the boat. Turns to Eric and says, I need your help. Well, together, they jump in on this, and they are pulling on this rod and pulling on this rod. It's one of those massive rods, and it is bending way over, and we're pretty sure it's like... And then suddenly, it surfaces. A black-tipped shark. That is the coolest thing I've ever seen caught, is a black-tipped shark. And they pull this thing out and finally get it, get it into the boat and then get it un unhooked. And I'm thinking, I, I'm not even a part of this story, but I'm going to be bragging about this for a long time. Because here comes this thing in the boat that I didn't expect. And now, I, I should have. I mean, I know it's out in the water there, but I never thought I'd see one, you know, that didn't have between me and a piece of glass between it. And so the unexpected suddenly showed up in the boat. And that's exactly, that's exactly what happens in our scripture today. Jesus has launched his ministry. And he's going around and he has this ministry of, that involves some healing. But a lot of teaching and preaching and crowds are coming out to him because he has a message that they're hungry to hear. And it's a message of good news. And that's where we pick up today. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, let's just pause for a second. If you're wondering what this is, this is another name which you may be more familiar with familiar with it by its other name called the Sea of Galilee. And so if you want to write in your journal or make a note in your app, this is the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So Jesus gets into the boat. He getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And another note here, you may hear me refer to Simon by another name during this sermon. That's because he's Simon Peter. 
Jesus is going to meet him as Simon. And then later in the story, Jesus is going to change his name. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. But if you're familiar with the, or at least um, you've heard the name Peter the Apostle or Peter the Fisherman, this is the same guy. Simon is Peter. Simon Peter. And so Simon, he asked him to put out a little from the shore, a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, let's just pause for this, understand what's going on. He's got a crowd, and they're by the sea, and the crowd is pressing in so much that Jesus takes kind of this really proactive approach. He goes over, and he hops in one of the boats. The guys are washing the net. There must be some kind of familiarity with him already because they don't say, get out of our boat. You know, he says... I want you to push out in the water just a little bit. And so they're tired. They've been through their night's work, but for some reason they trust him enough or there's something about him that's compelling. They get in the boat and they push out from the shore. And so he's floating on the Sea of Galilee and the people are gathered and you can go there today and there's these little inlets and these inlets make natural amphitheaters. And so the way that the, the um, audio dynamics work is you can actually speak in a very normal voice and across the water and up into these little natural amphitheaters, your voice can be heard. Now, I had actually an opportunity to experience this. I've got a picture here. This is a few years ago. I'm in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And I share that for this reason. You need to know that Jesus and I have spoken in the same places. There's no other reason. But you can get the sense that the crowd could hear him, and Jesus is sitting in this boat and he's teaching. And they're soaking up all the words that he has. And then at the conclusion of the lesson, he doesn't say, Okay, boys, row me back into shore. He says this. And when he finished speaking, I'm in verse 4. He said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night. We took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both the boats so that they actually began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, I want you to use your imagination that God gave you. And to the best that we can, I want you to step back into Peter's mindset that night or that that morning. They had been out all night long because when you fish on the Sea of Galilee, if you're a commercial fisherman, you don't fish during the day. During the day when the sun comes up, the water heats up and the fish go lower. And they try to stay in the cooler water. They don't feed during the day. But at night, they're swimming much more free. And so if you're going to be a productive fisherman, and these were commercial fishermen, and they knew what they were doing, you fished through the night. Except on this night, 
like often can happen with fishing, it didn't go the way they had planned, or at least the way they had hoped. And so they get to the end of this night, and they have nothing to show for their work. And in fact, when Jesus first walks into the scene, remember, what are they doing? They're washing the nets to put them away to store because they are headed home. They're going to sleep and they're going to try to figure out how to come back the next night and hopefully make up for lost profit. And they're tired. And in fact, I wonder if when Jesus says, hey, get in the boat because I need to teach these people and they're going to hear me kind of in this little amphitheater that while they're sitting out and the boat's gently rocking and Jesus is talking in a nice calm voice, if they're not nodding off behind him. Because they're tired and they're frustrated. They've got, there's no energy running through them. There's no excitement because they're trying to do the math in their head of what's it going to take to make up for a pretty well goose egg of a night fishing. And so Jesus says, hey, I want you to push out into the deep water and we're going to go fishing. Now, if again, sitting there in the boat, knowing what you would have known as Simon Peter, you could have said to him, Jesus, you're a carpenter. When I need a table, I'll call you. Okay? We're fishermen. This is what we do. You don't fish during the daytime, and you sure don't fish the deep parts. We're tired. You're asking us to go on a fool's errand. But there was something about Jesus that when Peter could have said all that, and he does say that we've been working all night, but he could have said, Jesus, we're not doing that. He says, because you say so, I'm going to go do it. And maybe, maybe in Peter's mind, he was like, look, we're going to drop it down. I'm going to show you that you don't know what you're talking about. This is kind of our area of expertise. So, okay, well, but we like you, so we'll appease you. So they row out to the deep part of the, of the lake, drop the nets, and they begin to pull them in. Now, I just wonder what that would have been like, that when they throw them over the side, and understand, that is an action that they had done time and time and time and time and time again for the last several hours. Throw them over the side, pull them back in, throw them over the side, and never did the line ever go tight. Never did they ever feel some pressure or some tension going the other way. Until this time. They throw it over and when they pull, it feels like they're hung on the bottom. And they start working together. And these strong men that are weathered are working as hard as they can. And as they do, they're pulling so hard, they start bringing the boat down. You ever seen Finding Nemo? That scene at the end where the fishing boats, you know, they finally find Nemo. And then he gets caught up in the fishing net. And so they're chanting to all the other fish, you know, swim down, swim down, swim down, keep on swimming. And they start pulling the fishing boat down. That's what's going on here. You know, Pixar didn't come up with that. Okay. Jesus came up with that. And so they motion to the other boat and they get, there's so many fish that both boats are so full they're about to sink. Okay, this is a fishing story that they're going to be telling for the rest of their lives. And in that moment, and I don't know if Jesus was just sitting there smiling, like we kind of told you, you know. But in that moment, Peter falls to his knees. 
says, you've got to go from me because I'm a sinful man. Now picture that. The, the, the boat is full of fish. And so he falls to his knees amidst the fish that are still flopping and wiggling around. And they're, they're slimy and everything else. But all he can think about at this moment is not we've hit the lottery, but who Jesus is. And he falls to his knees and he says, you've got to go. I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. And there's an awareness that comes over Peter that there's something about you, Jesus. There's, there's an authority and there's a power that you have. And suddenly held up into that light, I see all my failings. I see all my brokenness. I see all the places where I've come up short. I've seen all the places where I've walked the wrong direction, done the wrong thing, made the wrong decision, talked in the wrong voice. Whatever you want to do, I see it and I can't live with it. You got to get away. And Jesus says, oh, that's exactly the kind of person that I want to use. See, you, you may sit out there and you may think that Jesus can't use me because I'm a sinful person. And I'm going to tell you there's no other kind of person that Jesus uses. And so he puts this call on his life and he says, Peter, I want to take you from where you are to something that you can't even imagine yet. And he's going to take him, he's going to turn him to this evangelist, this fisher of men, as he calls it. And from that moment, you got to understand that Peter, in a simple act of trust and faith, of letting down his nets, cannot even begin to imagine where that's about to lead. I mean, just imagine that point of, I want you to go out in the deep water and drop the nets down there. And Peter, a little frustrated, says, okay, we'll do it. He can't imagine that that's going to lead someday to him delivering a sermon in the book of Acts. And so you need to understand that Luke wrote a sequel. Luke wrote Luke, and then there's the book in your Bible called Acts. Now, somehow we slipped the Gospel of John in between, but Luke and Acts go together. And so it's the same author counting the same ongoing story. And in that, we see that... that <clears throat> After Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, Peter stands up on the Temple Mount and delivers the message that 3,000 people respond to and give their lives to Jesus in a single day. 3,000. That is the catch of fish all over again. And there's no way that Peter can see that coming. <clears throat> so my question is, what would it have been like if he hadn't let go of the nets? What would he have messed missed out on. He just says, I'm going to turn you into someone that does this, and I'm calling you. So I'll give you three quick takeaways from this. Excuse me. <coughs> First one's this. Jesus knows more about your situation than even you. Jesus walked into their area of expertise. He walked into the place where they said, no, we've got it. And he says, I want you to fish over here. Jesus knows more about what's going on in your life, your situation, your marriage, your singleness, your temptations at work, whatever it is, he knows more about, about it than you do, except our temptation is always to do what? I've got it. I'm the expert in this area. And you've got a God that created you and knows you intimately. And I want you to trust that Jesus knows more. And so 
when we're so tempted to put up the arguments on why we won't or why we shouldn't or why we don't have to or I'm going to go this way even though I know God you come this way or here's the standard, here's the ethic I'm going to live by. Jesus knows more than you and it's an invitation to trust. It's an invitation to trust when the world and everybody around you has one kind of sexual ethic. And we use phrases like as long as the consenting adults, that makes it okay. To trust that the one that created you, created your body and created sexuality altogether knows more than you or me and should have a voice in that. That's what he's asking us to do. So he steps into Peter's professional expertise. And Peter has to acknowledge, you know more than I do. Second thing I want you to take away. Often, Jesus is working unseen under the water line. So think about this miracle. It, they go out to the deep part. So Peter doesn't see what's going on under the water as Jesus performed the miracle. He doesn't see this massive school of fish starting to gather that if we had had underwater cameras back then, it had been impressive to see. See, and Jesus didn't have to do it. If Jesus just wanted to display his power, and it was only about, hey, I'm about to show you something that you're not going to believe. He just wanted to display his power. He could have had the fish leap into the boat and be fish sticks by the time they landed. Okay? That if it was just showing the power, but Jesus is working under the water in an unseen way that Peter can't see, doesn't have any awareness of until he takes a step of faith and drops down the nets. So there may be seasons in your life where, where it looks like God's not at work and Jesus is absent from the scene. But just because you can't see him doesn't mean he's not working. Just because you, you don't have a sense that he's there doesn't mean he's left. Jesus is working unseen oftentimes in our life and it's under the waterline and it's miraculous and it's incredible. It just hasn't been revealed to us yet. And I want that to bring you some hope. I want that to bring you some encouragement that if you're in a season right now where it feels like he's left you for some reason, that, that he's not paying attention to your prayer, there very well could be a miracle being formed just out of your sight. Because that's how he's often working. We had a, one of the songs that was sung that in our worship time this past weekend had the line about, you're at work when I don't see you. You're at work when I don't feel you. And Chris Hatchett, a ministry friend of mine, have a lot of respect for, he is wrestling with Parkinson's um, disease. And as it is, as advances, he was at this conference and he posted, I saw on Facebook, where he talked about that line from that song and what God was telling him. And God was reminding them that even if he doesn't see the healing of his body right now, which he's praying for, his family's praying for, entire church is praying for, he's still at work and he's still ministering. And that's what Peter would tell us. That even if we can't see it above the waterline, Jesus is at work. And lastly is this. Your past sin is not more powerful than your current invitation. Jesus stands before Peter as he's kneeling in the wet, slimy fish, and he says, I'm a sinful man. <clears throat> and Jesus doesn't go back and go, well, yeah, you're right, because I've got a list, Peter. 
And Jesus is not unaware of Peter's situation. But he's calling him to something. He's inviting him to some that moment. And whatever your past sin is, whatever your brokenness is, whatever that mistake is, whatever brings you shield, um, guilt and shame, I want you to understand that does not trump, that does not replace, that has no more power over the invitation that Jesus has given you right now, this calling in your life. And he is inviting you to let's go out in the deep water. And perhaps there's an invitation for you to, to get involved and serve in a ministry, to share your faith with somebody at work, to share your faith with your own family, to do something different that you've been scared of doing because you think as soon as I step one step towards Jesus or as soon as I acknowledge that, that I believe in Jesus, somebody's going to come along and remind me of my past. That, that that's going to always haunt me. And I just want you to remind you, throughout your entire scriptures, Jesus has used sinful people, has called them, has redeemed them, and has sent them on a mission and a ministry. Again, Peter's life went, this broken, go away from me, Jesus, I'm a sinful man, all the way up to preaching a sermon that 3,000 people give their life. And so I don't want your past to be so large in your mind that you think that Jesus can't do anything about it. And I'm really passionate about this one because in my time in youth ministry, often I would work with students and they would be just about to make a confession for Jesus or they would see that, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord. And then we'd have a conversation or a Bible study and somewhere in there, there would be a phrase that goes like this. They would say, I see the need to make Jesus Lord and be baptized, but... I need to get some things right first. Everybody thought that way? Yeah, I'm going to come to Jesus, but before I get to him, I need to go clean up my mess, and then I can come to him. You cannot clean up your own mess. You're incapable of doing it. If you were capable of doing it, Jesus didn't have to die for you. So let's all acknowledge that we're incapable of cleaning up our own mess. That's why Jesus came. Why are you incapable? It's not because you're a bad person. It's because you're a dead person. Dead people don't clean up messes. Okay? Some of us can barely keep our own room clean. I'm not good at that. So don't lose this idea that you've got to clean up whatever mess of your life you created. That's what Jesus does. And here's the good news. Jesus doesn't come to make bad people better he comes to make dead people alive and so your past sin is not more powerful than the invitation and the redemption that Jesus wants to offer so I'm going to leave you with this question and we'll close the question is this what will you miss out on if fear keeps you from letting down your nets if you're going to hold so tightly to what you know and to what you assume and to the, what's inside your comfort zone What are you going to miss out on? Because Jesus is calling you into the deep water. He's saying, trust me. And it may just be right outside of your eye shot right now, but there's a miracle at work. If you'll trust, what would you miss out on? 
Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for one, the faith of a Peter that was sinful yet trusted, that was broken in so many ways, yet bold in following you. Father, may his spirit be contagious among us. That, Father, that anybody sitting here that thinks their sins are stacked too high, that you can't use them in a powerful way to serve and to minister and to reach others, that, Father, you would, you would sweep that lie away and you would give that invitation one more time today to come, to follow, and to trust. Because, Father, it will be, the healing will come from you. You will clean the mess that is of our lives and not just clean it, you will make us into a new creation. And it's for that that we hope and for that that we pray and for that that we're grateful. And I'm so grateful that Jesus has the authority and the power to do all of that as he promises. It's in his whole name we pray. Amen.